Welcome back. In the previous segment, we spoke about Liz Cheney being ousted from the Wyoming GOP, as well as Austria's lockdown and vaccine mandate of the unvaccinated in Austria. In this segment, we're going to talk about Hasbara and what it means to be an indigenous Jew. I'm Luke. And I'm Rodi. And this is the Right Side of the Compass podcast. So... What does it mean to be an indigenous Jew? And uh, already, Josh is I mean, probably rolling his eyes. For some context, while well, you stumbled upon this uh, article talking about indigenous, um, you know, Jewish people being uh, indigenous. Yeah, it's it's a stupid word. Don't try to say it. Um, <laughs> it's a stupid word. I hate it so much. Um, well, the, I didn't stumble upon it so much as when when I asked Josh to come on the show. I already knew that one of the topics I wanted to discuss with Josh was, you know, the broader, uh, the broader Hasbara trends that have been going on. But let's let's introduce it more naturally first. Um, so, the word indigenous is one of these very annoying lefty buzzwords that refers to any brown person that someone can say really belongs on the land. So what it really means is not white people, right? Because yes, it's used by, uh, to refer to Native Americans in America. It's used to refer, of course, to Palestinians in Israel, which it's not even real, right? But it's also used to refer to black people in Europe, which is out of insane, right? They will not refer to uh, British people as being indigenous to Britain, right? Which is insane. So Really? That yeah. Never, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah, you would think like Europe of all places, that would be like white people belong in Britain. Black people should go and conform to the the local customs of Europe. But no, in Britain, they still somehow accuse the British, the French, the Germans, the Italians of colonialism, even in colonialism of their own countries. It's it's they're they're out of their minds. These people, they're out of their minds. But um, one of the reasons I speak about this is because I noticed that there's there's a lot of clout in the in the Hasbara community now. Hasbara means it literally means explanation. But what it really is is it's Jewish PR for Israel, right? Or PR for Israel. It doesn't need to be Jewish necessarily, but it's PR for Israel. And lately there have been a lot of people who want to play the angle of using lefty buzzwords to sell Israel to people who would not traditionally be open to the idea of a Jewish state, such as the modern left, who are very, very pro-Palestine. And one of the ways they do this is by saying things like, Jews are the real indigenous people to Israel. And it's not that they're necessarily wrong, of course. It's more that it's much bigger than that. It's not just about that. It's not that we're indigenous and, you know, therefore we're these pathetic losers that are being oppressed by all the, you know, by all the, by the, by the authorities at large. We're much bigger than indigenous. And and the word indigenous is one of these lefty cope words that doesn't mean anything anymore. Um, Josh, why don't you talk about how you always address the problem? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've been hearing this sort of argument of the Jews being indigenous to Israel for quite a while now. I, I remember even hearing it back in my sophomore year of uni. So that was, you know, roughly four, four years ago. Um, I never 
liked it. I never took part in it and I didn't really understand uh, why I didn't like it um, until recently. And, you know, I, I think a large part of it is that people, especially now in Hasbara, they love the aesthetics. They love the aesthetics. They love optics without actually understanding what they're saying. And um, what I, like, like, I think, I think this is something that you and I spoke about and, you know, because we are now taking this word indigenous as something that's applying to us, you know, you, you see like Israel advocates law, you know, they're opining to take pictures with native Americans um, side by side. And I think it's such a strange, it's such a strange side to side comparison. I mean, the story of Israel, the, the modern story is that we came, you know, we came back to our land. Um, we established ourselves legally in the international community, and then we fought off three major wars, which challenged our existence. Okay, yeah, that that is that is. I mean, in my in my estimation, that is our right for existence. That is the right for the state to exist. Okay, it's not it's not this this idea of well, indigenous rights translate to state rights. I don't think I don't think any other any country in the world has ever been formed to those standards. And, and we're, we're confusing ourselves, you know, and, and again, and then you look at Native Americans, for example, like, yeah, okay, so they're indigenous to the Americas, um, but they don't have, you know, they're, they're sort of dispossessed, like, like, I don't understand the comparison here. Um, more than that, I think a lot of corollary language is developing alongside. So like an article that we were looking at, which was, you know, from Vision Mag, uh, titled We're going to go over that soon. We're going to oh, okay, go over okay, it okay, soon because okay, so. I want to get into the specifics. Okay, so um, maybe, can, maybe, maybe continue your point. Yeah, no, I, I my larger point again is that people are obsessed with the aesthetics without actually putting the work in. You want to be a quote unquote indigenous Jew. You want to be a quote unquote decolonized Jew. That's another that's another buzz term that's going around. Oh, dear um, it God. doesn't. It, yeah, it doesn't just mean wrapping your head in a sudra, which is this sort of headwear people used to wear in the Middle East. It doesn't just mean wrapping your head in that. It doesn't just mean putting on a star of David. It actually means like going in, learning your traditions and, and trying to figure out what it actually means to be a Jew, an identity that has existed for, for thousands of years. Um, and I think this is just a cheap way to get people to feel good and connected to their Jewish identity. It's But there's no meat. There's no meat. There, there is no meat. You'll notice that a lot of the people who, who talk about Jews being indigenous to Israel, they're typically the most unaffiliated Jews. They're typically these people that they, they don't know what tefillin are. They don't know what kosher is. They still think like, oh, kosher is when a rabbi blesses the meat, right? But that's not it, right? <laughs> they think Hanukkah is Jewish Christmas, you know? Oh, it, man. It, yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's you know, oh, God. Um, but yeah, even, even it's just so, it's so, it's so skin deep. And even guys like Rudy Rockman, right? And I think he, he there's a little more meat to what he talks about, which is why it's so it's so important to address people like him because he's not an airhead, right? He he actually has something to say, and it shows because people respond to what he says, um, both negatively and positively. But it seems he's very you know mainstream now. Um, it's very important to address that, for example, there's nothing Jewish about going to a mosque in the UAE and praying in a mosque and saying, oh, we can pray in a mosque because Maimonides said you're technically allowed to pray in a mosque. There's nothing Jewish about that. Get out of the mosque. There's a million and one place. The reason why Maimonides said it was okay to pray in a mosque is because we were literally being genocided by Muslims. 
And so he said, oh, you can pretend to be a Muslim and go pray in a mosque and it doesn't matter because they don't have idols in there. You shouldn't go into a mosque and pray in there. There's no reason for that. Yeah, I think and I think just just to get on that point, I think something that that Rudy does and most people, they're not even realizing this when they're making this argument for indigenous Jews. He's leveling the same level status for for Arabs in the region as well. You know, like like his actual his actual conception and prescription of, of what the quote unquote Levant area should look like. Most people don't understand what he's talking about. He's he's leveling the same level. He's sorry. He's uh, <laughs> prescribing the same level of indigeneity both to Jews and Arabs in the area, and and from there he he then formulates this very strange pan Levantine one state idea, which bears no concept in reality. Like it's just it's not it's no it's not real at all. And this is something I said to you before. This is why Israelis are not his audience. Like people who are living there are not this man's audience. It's it's Western, definitely more progressive, left-leaning uh, Jews. You know? Yeah, for sure. So um, one point I want to make, this is a very, I would say this is an unpopular opinion. I'm not sure, but I never really understood, you know, the term indigenous people and and what that kind of means because Kind of like the saying, oh, there's always going to be someone more successful than you, better looking, you know, richer. There were always people before them. Jews, I mean, look, Jews were not the first ones to be in that land. Um, and I'm sure, and, and the same thing with, you know, Palestinians or Kananit, you know, humans have been around for for millions of years. So so what what makes you you know the people of that land because you know we're we're all humans and we're all you know a part of this earth and we've been here for millions of years you know people have been in those lands way before um a lot of us you know even the native americans of the us i'm sure there were you know different well there were there were a migration movement from from the southern americas as far as i understand yeah, or, you know, I'm sure there were people before, you know, Jews and the same thing with like Europe. I mean, you know, uh, how many times was England uh, in- invaded by by all these different countries? Like, you know, who who's I mean, English is just a mixture of, you know, all these different languages. Who is for the royal mon- indigenous the monarchy in uh, in England for a long time were French. Right. Um, because the concept of this country belongs to this people and that's a holy prescription for all time and not a description of the realities on the ground, that was that's a very new concept. And I actually agree with you, Rody. I think that it's it's very interesting you point that out because not only actually ironically, you, um the the article that we're we're gonna read soon. Um, they do address that point. They do say that even though the Canaanites were there before the Jews or the the Israelites were there more accurately, the Hebrews were there before the Canaanites. And it seems that the the text, according to rabbinic tradition, according to Nachmanides, not Maimonides, Nachmanides, it seems that the tradition implies that the Hebrews were there first, and then the Canaanites and all these other nations came and almost genocided them out of the land. That's what Abraham was doing in Ur. Right, and that's where the the modern Jewish story starts. It starts with Abraham and or God telling uh, Abraham to leave the land and go to the place where God will tell him to go, which was the land of Canaan. Um, but it's interesting because we can make the same argument 
about Babylon, right? There were ever since the destruction of the first temple, there were many, many Jews living in Iraq until very, very recently. Um, we had a Talmud that was written in Babylon. Our king was located in Babylon until the Gaonic period, which is like the Middle Ages, right? So the idea that we're not indigenous to like the middle of Iraq, well, why can't you say that? We were very associated with that area as well. There was lots of Jewish culture going on over there. So the word indigenous is, again, one of these buzzwords that really means this is a land that's associated with this people that have to do with their culture. And it's it's it becomes a muddy argument because anytime anyone's associated with anything, you could say that they're indigenous to there, right? So I would say that Americans are indigenous, quote unquote, to America, but no one would make that argument even yeah, though- know, It kind of feels like a cop-out kind of. Kind of. It's, oh, it it's, yeah. it's a giant cope. It's a giant cope. Yeah, major it's, cope. It, yeah, the the only time that word is used, it's never used by Americans in America. It's never used by British people in Britain. It's always used by losers who lost wars, and yep. the the winners are gracious enough to allow them to keep their culture in some sort of limited capacity, and they're sore losers. And so they say, "No, no, we're indigenous. Please don't hurt us. We, we really own the land." It's like, "No, you don't. You lost a war." Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. This is, this, is, this is why Palestinians love, love to classify themselves. Right. And that's why I think getting to the heart of what Josh said about how Rudy's activism doesn't really vibe with Israelis, because Israelis grew up on, on a diet of, we came from the ashes of Europe, we came from the pogroms of the Middle East, we rose up we like, like a phoenix from the ashes, we came and we kicked 10 types of ass, and we're here now. We don't need to say we're indigenous, we won. Right. It's the Palestinians that are always going, but we're indigenous, mom. We're indigenous. Come on, UN, kick the Israelis out. What, what, we're the indigenous people, which we're going to have to get into because it's ironic that they're using indigenous to describe the Palestinian Arabs when the Arabs are, I think, one of the most colonial people on the planet. Right. They're, they're the reason why everyone associates the Middle East with Arabs. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. The, yeah. Like Europe has all this diversity of culture. You got like, you know, the British, the French, the Italians, the Hungarians. The Hungarians, by the way, came from Eastern, uh, the Eastern Asia. They were the Huns. They came all the way with, uh, I believe it was Geng Attila the Hun or Genghis Khan. I don't remember which one. But they came all the way to Europe and they settled in Hungary. That's why it's called Hungary, right? Because of the Huns, right? You got all these people. But then in the Middle East, everyone all of a sudden is an Arab, right? But in Egypt for the longest time, there were Copts. They were they were ethnically Copts. They were Christians. It was the Muslims that came in, made everything Arab. Syria, Arab. Lebanon, Arab. They spoke Aramaic in the area, right? But no one speaks Aramaic anymore. It's Arabic, right? So, you know, that that's an yeah. important point to bring up. I, I, also, I also think it's, it's important to point out, and this is something that most people don't realize, and, and people like to downplay the religious aspects of, you know, the conflict that's going on in the land. Uh, and, and it's, it's, I think that's a mistake. It's important to actually try and understand the, the competing religious ideologies. And so what I'm, what I'm trying to allude to is that Islam has, you know, very, uh, clear claims like, of itself. And it says when it touches a piece of land in the world, it is there forever to stay. This is why you still have Arabs, you know, who just also happen to be Muslim opining for a return to Spain or Italy, you know, when, when the Moors were there. And, and uh, so when it comes to Israel, the, the mindset, the religious mindset 
is already pivoted towards uh, imperialism because these people legitimately believe that this land is theirs, you know, funnily enough, by force of conquest, which is, you know, how Jews kind of took it back. But uh, it's important to understand. Well, that's how you get land back. You don't get it back. There was no such thing as the UN back in the good old days, right? If you wanted a piece of land, you had to conquer it from whoever was currently there. And if no one was there, you can be rest assured that you didn't want it either because there was a very good reason that no one was there. Right. So, so yeah. Um, but let's just go into the article because I, I do want to talk about the article specifically so that we can get an idea of what we're talking about and also kind of to talk about, you know, the, the, the specifics of the article and talk about the author and, and kind of just discuss certain things about that. Okay. So we can, we can all kind of, I'm, I'm just going to read it and you guys can react um, as you see fit. Um, yeah, sounds in, good. Yeah. In late 2015, this was, Oh, by the way, this was written by Yehuda Cohen, who's another character who, <clears throat> who warrants further discussion, but I think that's going to be for another time. Um, Jewish indigeneity to the land of Israel can't just be a pro-Israel talking point. It must be an identity Jews internalize as part of our own decolonization. Yeah. Again, several buzzwords were not even in the article itself. <clears throat> yeah, I could I could already spend an hour talking about just that sentence. But yeah, I know. It's, yeah, it's, it's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In late 2015, I was part of the Levy delegation to the World Zionist Congress that introduced and successfully fought to pass a resolution by a slim 51% majority declaring the Jewish people indigenous to the land of Israel. This followed roughly a decade of us urging the pro-Israel community to not only understand that we Jews are indigenous to Eretz Israel, the land of Israel, but also to internalize that identity and its ramifications, not as some utilitarian Hasbara talking point or tactical argument for why Israelis are right and Palestinians are, are wrong, but actually to step towards decolonizing Jewish identity within the context of advancing our people's broader liberation struggle again uh you the word liberation this is a key word here you could see liberation is always used in these kind of very far left movements the black power movement was based on liberation um you know when we're talking about the proletariat they want to be liberated from the bourgeoisie this is a very left-wing article you know i think it is i also just want to i want to mention um that his motive for bringing bringing this argument forward is quote-unquote to uh, decolonize the Jewish identity. And, and this is something that I take a real, you know, hard position against because what, what it's essentially positing is that the Jewish experience and identity in the diaspora um, is somehow less authentic than, than the ones that we had previously in the land. And, and when you see, when you see language like this decolonizing, I mean, you're going to tell me, you're going to tell me that the aspects of Ashkenazi Jewish culture of, Mizrahi Jewish culture, Sephardi culture. These are things which need to be decolonized. I mean, I, you know, and, and they prop up, they prop up these items like the sudras as something that's more authentic to wear for Jews. It's, it's, it's dangerous. And again, I agree with your comments on liberation. I mean, I will say this, I will say this, not that I agree with that. I think that let's, I want to steal man his argument here for a second Rudy, I don't know about Yehuda Cohen, but I know Rudy Rockman has made statements in the past saying Ashkenazi Jews are not European. There's nothing, Ash- there's nothing European about Ashkenazi Judaism. Blah 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 blah. And by European, he means like just because you're an Ashkenazi Jew doesn't mean you're quote unquote European. You're still Semitic in origin, right? Um, and fair enough, right? And I think there is an argument to be made that you know what happened in the Galut did 
in the exile rather did affect us and maybe not in the most positive way it did. Yeah, um sure. i don't think what no no i i agree with you and i i understand where you're going my, my point is is only that i think we as jews and we should view our time in exile um even though it did affect us and again not it was certainly not all positive certainly not all positive um we survived it you know we survived it and we developed ways to cope with it, you know, like, like the formation of Yiddish as a language. Um, it, it was a way to keep ourselves separate and distinct as Jews. Right. But then the discussion becomes now that we're in Israel and now that we're, we're back home, right? Most of the world's Jews are either in America or in Israel. And America is a whole nother discussion. But at least when it comes to Israel, what language do we speak? Do we speak Yiddish? Do we speak Ladino? Do we speak Judeo-Arabic? Do we speak Judeo-Italian? No, or do we speak Hebrew. Hebrew. Right, right. Hebrew. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think if you, if you want uh, – ignoring the buzzwords, right? I think there is a discussion to be had about, you know – saying, hey, listen, we have these traditions from the exile, but now we need something a little more unified, a little more uh, uh, singular. Um, we need we need a distinctive Israeli Judaism. I think there's something to be said about that. But certainly, I don't think he's talking about that. That's certainly right, not what right. he's talking about. That Because I've heard people talk about that. That's not right. the way he's talking, right? I agree. Um, I agree. Yep. Yeah. Um, more than merely promoting the fact that we share biological, linguistic, sociocultural, and archaeological bonds connecting us to our ancestors and homeland, we also viewed the internalization of an indigenous identity as a means for overcoming many of the deeper challenges confronting Israeli society and the broad Jewish world. What problem in Israel would be solved by saying simply, <laughs> oh, we're an indigenous people? Because I can think of a million problems in Israel that are going on right now that have nothing to do with being indigenous to the land. I think because in the end of the day, no one really cares. Well, I think what he means is, uh, especially when he's talking about Israeli society, I think he's trying to allude to how we face Arabs in the region. Not only that, just even internal Israeli conflicts, right? I, I don't think the problem is that we don't view ourselves as, as indigenous. I think it's more of an issue of we haven't figured out an ideology. We haven't figured out an overarching philosophy for the state beyond forbidden it's it's actually funny i was walking uh in my neighborhood i was running to the grocery store or whatever and i took a a detour and i was passing this house and on this on the gate of this house it was just a sign that said asul which means forbidden <laughs> in hebrew it didn't say what was forbidden it just said forbidden i'm like that's the philosophy of our government forbidden can't do it Anyways, um, but yeah, that's that's the broad philosophy of how our government works. And I think, number one, we haven't figured that out. In fact, a lot of the big thinkers that wanted to come up with uh, a way our government works either weren't listened to, such as Zeev Jabotinsky, or they were just – they had terrible ideas like Ben-Gurion. We always we, – we love David Ben-Gurion here, but Ben-Gurion was full of bad ideas and he did terrible mm -hmm. things. He was, just, mm -hmm. he was a filthy communist. Ugh. It's a commie. Ugh, commies. Um, <laughs> you're laughing, but it's true. Uh, but yeah, I, I would love to see how how just – and not saying that like, oh, we should have more unity because I could see the argument for that. There's always an argument for unity. But indigenous says more than just unity. It's more than just a matter of, oh, we're all the same, right? It's a matter of you know our connection to the land. It's a, it's a matter of our connection to our culture. It's a matter of our connection to the broader society within the region. How does being indigenous help us? And I, he doesn't really explain how this helps. He actually undercuts his own argument later in the article, right? 
Yeah, at the very end. <laughs> yeah. Um, more than merely promoting the fact that – oh, wait, I read that. The reactions we initially received from the Israeli advocacy community, which seems strangely committed to presenting Israel as part of the West, were less than encouraging. The fact that so many Jews ultimately needed someone like Ryan Belarus, a native Metis – is that how you pronounce that? Metis? Is it Metis? Metis? Yeah. I don't know, uh, expressing support for Zionism on the basis of Jewish indigeneity to eventually make it acceptable for them to self-identify as part of an indigenous people reveals the degree to which their identities are influenced by how they understand themselves to be perceived by others. Two points to be made here. One, I think a lot of Israelis and a lot of in the Hasbara community, they wanted to prevent present rather Israel as part of the West is because Many times the West likes to fancy itself as an inheritor of Jewish culture, right? If you've ever taken a course in Western civilization, it typically starts in the Fertile Crescent. It doesn't start in Europe. It starts in the Fertile Crescent, and then it talks about the Kingdom of Israel, and then it goes to the Greeks, right? It doesn't go to Persia. It doesn't go to Babylon. It goes to goes from the, the Jewish kingdom in the second century, and then it starts talking about Greece and Rome, right? So that's typically how a, a – a, a course in Western civilization will go. So it's not that Hasbara advocates were presenting themselves in some way as being <clears throat> like inauthentically Western. It's that a lot of Hasbara people were saying, hey, listen, you know, you know that course on Western civilization you took in high school and or college? Yeah, we're those Hebrews. We're those people. We're the first kingdom. We're the second kingdom. We're Jesus. We, you know, we gave you your big religion that motivated everything that happened in the Roman Empire until today. Right, we're part of that, so yeah, don't look it, at us. Yeah, right, sorry, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, and then I'll say. Something. Yeah, so don't look at us as as some sand people in this backwater country. We just came back after two thousand years, but we're building up, and we have broadly the same values as you do. Not exactly because you know there are little differences here and there, but much in the same way that a Protestant country and a Catholic country might have some differences, but are broadly speaking sharing similar cultures. So to Jewish and, and Western culture more broadly, we share a lot of the same values. So people were – that's what they were pointing out. And I think they're not wrong to point that out. It's very true. And it's very flattering to us as well. Yeah. I'll, I'll just say this. Like uh, he thinks it's strange that the advocacy community – like was committed to presenting Israel as part of the West. And I think the vein of something like saying, saying something like that was to say that, oh, well, Israeli activists are trying to sort of opine to Westerners. Um, the thing is, the reality of Israel is that it's not purely Western and it's not purely Eastern. Like, like uh, the dominant music culture in Israel is Mizrahi, music, is Mizrahi music. But you look at the government, it's English parliament style governance, you know? Uh, and this is by and the way, in the style and in the style of Western government, it also doesn't work. So we, we've <laughs> mastered good. we've mastered the art of a government not functioning. So just like <laughs> Western governments, we we we've got that figured out. Check, check mark, check mark there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and um, sorry, just uh, I lost track for for a second. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, a... no, no, it's okay. So Yehuda Cohen, by the way, in in another video, and you can leave this for another time, but. Um, he seems to take a lot of his positions on quote unquote indigenous as explicitly being opposed to Western systems. Like, like he has said in a video that the parliament government in Israel is, you know, and again, leave aside criticism of how it works. It's something that needs to be done away with. He, it seems like he's very much on about ridding any Western element within Israel. And I think it's an ignorant position to say that the West hasn't developed something that's useful 
something that helps develop society that moves us forward is is to be ignorant. Which is ironic because between him and his wife, they've adopted all the worst aspects of Western culture. His wife is an intersectional feminist. That is a cancer on the West. But he won't take like the good parts of like limited government, right. uh, separation of powers, um, things like that. But make sh- but his wife will be there to make sure that you know we're having all the feminism and we're having all the intersectionality. So all the bad parts <laughs> of Western. So they they made sure to take that. So I didn't, I didn't know not, that about it. Yeah, I didn't know that about it as well. Yeah. yeah, I I was in the I was in the Hebrew University and I was in the they do a Beit Midrash program over there. I don't think it's there anymore because COVID now, they don't do anything anymore. Um, but back when they used to do things in person, um, she came in and started talking about how, you know, she's a Jewish intersectional feminist. And I was, I literally sat there and yelled at her until they told me to shut up and let her speak. Um, and fair enough, I wasn't the speaker. So I guess I, I don't <laughs> want to be some heckler, but just the thought of, of, of that person coming in and talking about, you know, intersectional feminism in my bait midrash it's not mine i don't own it but in a bait midrash in a house of of learning right which it's literally the opposite of learning because it's if you learn torah it's supposed to make you smarter but learning about intersectional leftism and critical race applied principles somehow makes you dumber in many ways it's like a islamic madrasa it's 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 the type of institution that will will make you stupider, you know, so (laughs) make you less intelligent, will make you less learned, less wise. Um, And I just wanted to go over also Ryan Bellarose. I think the reason why people were not open to, quote unquote, indigeneity arguments is because up until Ryan Bellarose, indigenous arguments were rightly seen as a giant cope. It was what Native Americans said when they were too busy losing all the things. And then they see this guy say, oh, you know, I'm a Native American and I stand Israel, right? Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, I like that because a lot of his, a lot of people in the pro-Israel community, they don't really care what they're doing. They just want to be left alone. And rightly so. If you're a Jew on college campus, if you're a Jew on, on a college campus, you don't care about Israel in so, like in the nitty gritties of Israel, right? You're, you're, you're an American Jew. You are not involved in Israeli politics. You leave that up to the Israelis, and rightly so. They're the ones living there. They're the ones voting. They're citizens. They go to the army, this, that. So you know not to be involved. You just don't want to be harassed every time you go into the lunch line and some idiot is talking about free, free Palestine. It's it's annoying. So you'll take any and all support, which you know I can't blame them for that because when you're on an American college campus, you just you want to put your head down and and study, man. You know it's not it's not always about you know not all about politics. Yeah, it's not the nitty-gritties. So you'll take what you can get, you know? So uh, what's worse, however, is that many of the Israel advocacy professionals who eventually came around to employing the indigeneity argument once Brian came onto the scene seem to have no concept of or desire for actual decolonization. It's not clear how they expect their claims of indigeneity to be taken seriously when they display virtually no solidarity with other indigenous peoples. Bingo. Express no... It, intersectionality, but we'll get to that at the end of the paragraph, express no real desire for Israel to indigenize into the Semitic region and still see foreign values and cultural frameworks as superior to those of their ancestors. Solidarity with other indigenous people, bam, intersectionality, right, oh, right there, oh, wow. right? Between the, the dismantling of Western institutions, that's, that's very Soviet propaganda, um, and then you have solidarity with indigenous peoples. This is, this is straight out of... Um, uh, Antonio Gramsci. Oh yeah, straight out. 
Antonio Gramsci, straight out of it. Um, and it's interesting that he says, express no real desire for Israel to indigenize into the Semitic region, because the reality is, is that most people around the world like Western things such as refrigerators and and, and <laughs> Nintendo consoles, even though Nintendo's Japanese, but Jap- Japan is a Western country, right? Now it's, it has, yeah. Now it is, yeah. Uh, technically, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I they mean, bull- not actually physically. No, but, Japan has yeah, embraced Western you know, culture culturally. for sure. Mm-hmm. Western Western is not just about your location. That's why I think people get very confused. There are Western countries that are in the Far East, right? Well, first of all, because the Earth is a globe, there really is no East or West. It's really <laughs> just it, it depends on your frame of reference. Um, you know, so that's that. Um, that that's why it's funny when the flat Earthers think that like the earth is flat because that means that they think the Japanese flew from the east side of the map to the west side of the map to bomb Pearl Harbor when in reality they just went around but you can't do that (laughs) if the earth is flat but you know that's a point for another day I think I'm a believer now of the flat earth uh, society I saw a meme recently where this guy was like oh you know earth is 70% water and it's uncarbonated so it's technically flat Boo! Get, you know that I don't know where you are, but the door is like right there. Just get out. <laughs> it's right next to me. I'll I'll walk myself out. Yeah, you do that. You do that. That's terrible. Um, there there are members of the Flat Earth Society all all around the globe. So uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but Western is more of a of an of a set of ideals and or principles that a country and a people adhere themselves to, and. It's not simply a matter of, oh, you're European Christian follower of the Catholic Church, therefore you're Western, and anyone who's not is Oriental. That, that's literally nonsense. Um, that's why I don't think it's wrong for Israel to identify itself as a Western country, especially recently where now their prime ministers are more – they're more dressed like Western people. They wear suits. They know how to tie ties. Um, you know, They speak in, in a lot of Western terms. They're not speaking in, in Zionism terms anymore. They're not hearkening back to David Ben-Gurion. They're now talking more about broadly speaking freedom of speech, uh, things like that. Um, even when Naftali Bennett was talking about how Israelis who don't take the vaccine are pretty awful, he was saying like, you have the right to your opinion. That's a very Western thing. Like that wasn't right. – uh, you know. so anyways – in short, despite calling themselves indigenous, many Israel advocates still view Semitic civilizations through the Orientalist lens of the West. <laughs> Again, that is yeah. uh, Edward Said. Edward Said, straight up. Edward Said. The uh, Orientalism, is that what it was called? Yeah, yeah, Orientalism. Yeah, Orientalism. Part of the challenge is that most Zionists tend to limit the definition of indigeneity to something static like a tree. A specific tree can be indigenous to a particular place and only be able to grow properly and produce healthy fruits when rooted in that soil, terrain, climate, etc. This static definition is certainly true for the Jewish people who are significantly more healthy when residing in our own land. Even our ability to receive prophecy for the most part requires us to be situated in the land of Israel. Um, I don't know about the last one. Um, that this, The jury's still out on that one. I'm still waiting. I mean, isn't, isn't that true? I have, have there, have there? I don't think we've had any. Have we had any prophets outside of Eretz Israel? I believe Ezekiel was. Yeah, pretty sure. Let me let me double check that Ezekiel. Um, certainly Daniel was. Uh, right, Daniel right. was a prophet outside the land of Israel. Mordecai was one. Right, right. I'm just looking up Ezekiel because he had his own book. Um, oh, he lived in Babylon. Okay, there we go. There we go. Yeah, we're indigenous. So, we're indigenous to Babylon. That's it. Well, certainly, uh, as <laughs> as you know, as you may or may not know. Um, mm. Well, 
Uh, anyways, but we we did have prophecy outside of Israel, certainly, and uh, and sometimes when you talk to these like ancient rabbis that live nowadays, and I say ancient, I mean like the ones that can barely walk anymore. They say things that are like so crazy, like they just like they can pierce into your soul and they can see things that you can't even see. So it's it's kind of mm. crazy. So I, I'm I'm not even entirely convinced that prophecy is fully gone. So, uh, but that's just a me thing. But uh, yeah, that's there's nothing else to say about that one. Jews do check the necessary anthropological boxes, biological, linguistic, sociocultural, archaeological to qualify as indigenous, and it's actually a helpful English word to describe our people's relationship with a country we've defined as our soulmate for thousands of years. Not wrong, but this word should ideally be deployed in the service of deepening Jewish identity, indigenizing back into the region, and standing in solidarity with other indigenous people. See, that's the problem, right? Because in using the word indigenous, they're actually left leftizing. They're 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 boxing Jewish identity into this leftist framework. No, so I was with them half the way, and this is something that people uh, tell me all the time that this indigenous decolonization shtick is it, just to get Jews to be closer to Jewish identity, and I'm for that. Even even if it is with the, if if Jews can get closer to an authentic Jewish identity, I'm for it. But when you package it with stuff like standing in solidarity with other indigenous peoples, then you're introducing an agenda, which I I don't understand why it's a part of the package. Right. But I'm simply saying that I don't think you can even do that because essentially you're selling Judaism, not if let's say you're talking to an unaffiliated Jew, right? Mm -hmm. And you tell them that Judaism is all the things they already believe in, right? Judaism, then they're they're not buying Judaism. They're buying a hokier version yes. of their preconceived notions, right? Right. But the minute Judaism says something that they're that they disagree with, they're not they're not Judaism is not what they care about. They use Judaism to further their own identity, right? But for Judaism to mean anything, it needs to conflict with you. Sometimes there needs to mm-hmm. be things about Judaism that don't that don't jive with you. Right. And that's that's, I think, the key problem with a lot of this, you know, wordplay here. Ultimately, you're selling Judaism as something that it's not. It's Mm -hmm. not going to be the perfect ideology for all of you. It's not it's not your pet cause. It is a it is a responsibility. Judaism is not I don't even like saying it's a religion because Judaism is ultimately responsibility. It's a lot like Avatar, the last airbender, right? It's a responsibility to the world. All the other nations, they can work on themselves and they can do things and and perfect their craft. But Jews need to do things that are concerned with the world, right? That's why we have all these rules and that's why we're so concerned with moral, um, moral righteousness, right? Because to be the moral compass of the universe we need to be focused on our behavior on our on our procedures right Mm -hmm. we can't be focused on going to the moon we can't be focused on 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 culinary you know on all these culinary things that's why we have all these dietary rules because if you're so focused on trying all the foods you're not going to be concerned with your relationship with morality and god and justice and all that stuff so some Jews still you still opposed using this language of Jewish indigeneity. Uh, no. Uh, wait, no. Some Jews still opposed using this language of Jewish indigeneity based on the misguided claim. 
that it conflicts with our Torah's narrative, ostensibly teaching us that our ancestors were in fact foreigners to the land of Israel, but in addition to this claim not having much relevance to the question of Jewish indigeneity today, it is also largely based on a mis- misunderstanding of the words of our sages. Um, this this is actually a very good argument, so you need to give it credit where credit is due. It should be noted that Nachmanides explains the journey of Abraham's family to the land of Israel as a return to their own native country, according to Nachmanides, or had it been a foreign land to which the Hebrew family had previously migrated. On the verse, Avram passed through the land, the Canaanite was then in the land, Genesis 12.6, Rashi teaches that when Abraham arrived, the Canaanites had been attempting to conquer the country from Abraham's ancestor uh, Shem and his Hebrew descendants, but the Holy One desired to give the land to Abraham in accordance with Noah's division in which the land of Israel fell to his son Shem. Both the Talmudic and Midrashic literature identifies Melchizedek, the king of Jerusalem, in Abraham's generation with Shem. Uh, that's a very good argument, but I'll continue. In an attempt to explain the word then, or at that time in the above verse, several Torah luminaries support Rashi's assertion that the Canaanites were only in the land at the time when Abraham arrived, but not previously. The fact that our classic commentators even discuss this issue reveals that the concept of indigeneity isn't foreign to Israel's authentic understanding of of our own identity. Uh, In fact, when Joseph tells the cellmates in an Egyptian prison that he had been stolen from the land of the Hebrews, Genesis 40.15, it's clear that the land of Canaan had been known as the land of the Hebrews in ancient Egypt. Um, it's not wrong, but Rashi also says that, um, he, in the, in the first verse of Genesis, uh, Rashi talks about the very famous Rashi of Listimatem, which means you are bandits, right? The, and of course the background is, is that, you know, God didn't need to start the Bible with the creation of the universe. He could have started it with, uh, the exile, with the exodus rather of the, of the Hebrews from, uh, Egypt, and Rashi, of course, is perplexed by this. So he he essentially says the reason why God starts with the creation of the universe is because uh, in the future, people will tell the Jews that you are criminals, you're thieves, you stole the land from whoever it is. And the Jews will answer back, no, uh, God created the universe and he gets to div- divvy up the land as he sees fit. And therefore, he told us to take the land. And so we took it, right? Um, so according to Rashi himself, it's not really about indigenous. It's about God giving the land to who, whom he sees fit. And God saw it fit to give the land to the Hebrews and then to the Canaanites and then to the Israelites. So there's no – it's it's no one cares about indigenous. It's not about indigenous. God kicked us out of the land many times. It's about It's about who does God think is uh, worthy of the land. Who should Josh? be the custodian? Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, when I, actually, when I first, uh, I actually learned that Rashi um, and Yeshiva in Jerusalem. The first time I was taught that Rashi, it actually blew my mind because to me it was it was it was almost prophetic. I mean, the language is so similar to the stuff that we see today. Listimatem, thieves you are, and then you know colonizers as well. This, I mean, this is exactly the stuff we're seeing today. And, and this was something Rashi said much long before the advent of, you know, BDS, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I, yeah, go he ahead. Literally, he literally, that's why I don't believe that prophecy is dead because Rashi wrote it in, like, if you, if you ever buy a Jewish Bible today, it's written there right alongside the text. Rashi knew that this is what they were going to say. They knew one day they were going to say, oh, you guys are a bunch of thieves. And they do say that. BDS says, 
oh, they're colonizers, they're thieves, they stole the land from the Palestinians, blah, 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 blah. We didn't. It right. was in and, our Bible, we knew that was going to happen. This is, why, this is another reason why I think indigenous and, and decolonizing, these are, first of all, these are fad terms, like people just started using them very recently again. Um, we predate all of these concepts and our relationship to the land has nothing to do with indigenous from indigenous. It's, it's, it's a relationship that was constructed from, from higher intelligence. That's, that's how we've always really defined ourselves uh, in relation to Israel. And by the way, that's how a lot of people identify their connection to their lands, right? If you think about the British, the British, their story is that they were Germanic people that moved to the British Isles, the Angles and the Saxons. And over time, they they first of all, they were fighting the Celtic people, but also um, they over time, they merged and they became one people, right? Their history is not that they were always there for all, for time immemorial, and that you know they 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 sprouted from the ground ground like plants. We all know that people migrate, we move, and we fight, and and their and their story is a, is a story of victory over another people. They won, right? Similarly, the Germans, their story is destroying the Roman Empire. That's another thing. Um, <laughs> That's 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 why we need to ban the Germans. Just ban them. What are they banned for? They're just banned. We're just banning Germans. That's it. No more Germans. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that everyone has their story. Every every nation has their story, and it's not we. It's not some magical we sprouted from the ground. It's always we came from somewhere. We we settled down, and this is where we want to settle down. This this is this is our place. Um, it's, it is higher intelligence. We chose to be associated with that land, right? The British chose to be associated with the British Isles. The Hebrews chose to uh, enter this covenant with God and inherit the land of Israel, right? Mm. So that that's similar. You know, that that is the thing. Where the concept uh, – did I read that part? Where the, uh, no, where the you're, concept, you're just there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where the concept of Jewish indigeneity actually does become problematic, however, is when it's politicized by Hasbarists in Israel's conflict with the Palestinians. What most Israel advocates don't seem to appreciate is the fact that most people who fight for the rights of indigenous peoples couldn't care less about the static definition outlined above. Wearing the label indigenous doesn't excuse injustices perpetrated against others, certainly not injustices of a colonial nature. So this is where, like I said, their entire argument falls apart. Because number one, they're ignoring the history of Arabs in the Middle East. They're ignoring the fact that the Arabs, besides for maybe the British and the Catholics, the Arabs are the most colonial people on the planet. They conquered a third of the earth. Um, and when the Palestinians are complaining that they don't get their land, they have the entire Middle East. They got rid of the Aramaic people. They got rid of the Copts. They got rid of they, – they've appropriated all these different groups under the banner of Arab, right? The Kurds are busy, are, are busy trying to fight right. against the Arabs, right? The, the, no one speaks Aramaic anymore. Who speaks Aramaic? No one, right? It used to be the lingua, the lingua franca of the Middle East. It's, it's not anymore, right? Egypt used to be Christian. Now it's Muslim, right? They conquered the Middle East. Arab is a it's colonizing people. How many countries now? It's like 56 or something? Something like that. Between Arab and Muslim countries, and, and I, I consider Muslim an extension of Arabic, not because I'm, I'm – I know obviously that not all Muslims are Arab, but 
the Quran is in Arabic. There's no like it's not like uh Christianity where every group of people has their own Bible in their own language. Like everywhere you go, there's a translation of the Bible into the local language, right? When it comes to the Quran, they don't typically translate the actual Muslims don't use translations of the Quran. They read the Quran in Arabic. And what you'll see is is that Muslims who are not Arabs, they're actually typically a lot more moderate than Arab Muslims mm -hmm. because Arab Muslims actually know what's written in the Quran because they speak Arabic, whereas, I don't know, say, um, Muslims living in Indonesia, they don't actually speak Arabic, right? They speak whatever language they speak in Indonesia, right? So they're a lot, mm -hmm. they're a lot less extreme. They're a lot more moderate because they, they don't read the Quran. They, they chant it. It's a chant for them. So it's interesting. And uh, th and then the same people, not not exactly Yehuda Cohen, not the author, but he hangs out with a lot of people who think Jews being indigenous to the region is making a kafia with a star of David on it. So, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Which is which is which again, that's that's what drives me bananas. That's not what indigenous means. From the perspective, uh, I think this is not very important. Um, this is more just um, this is more just uh, uh, kind of this is filler. I'm going to continue over here. What the Hasbara professionals waving the indigenous flag need to understand is that the most people who care about and fight for indigenous issues define an indigenous people, not simply as a group of, with its cultural genesis in a specific territory, but rather as a pre-colonial population disenfranchised by colonialism. That literally doesn't apply to the Palestinian Arabs. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, that doesn't apply to them. Mm -hmm. they're, they're not that. Um, it's therefore unhelpful to accuse Palestinians of being colonizers in our country, especially given that colonialism has a very specific connotation from a materialist perspective that's understood to be driven by capitalism. Okay, there, there we go. Some, there that's we go. Cool. Although one could argue that capitalism developed alongside colonialism and the Atlantic slave trade. Oh, God. Uh, do they? Does he not know that they still have slaves in Arabic countries? Does he not know that? Well, but I just I, – I like – all, all these subtle callbacks and, and mentions to, to just various other political agendas, which all happen to fall under the, you know, the umbrella of Marxist light type ideas, right? Right. It's this is this this is straight out of like every single crazy leftist professor speech. It's, it's all here. It's all right. here. You can you can point out exactly. This is where Makruza said. This is what Gramsci said. This is what Said said. This mm -hmm. it's it's mm -hmm. it's it's crazy. Like I'm sure that uh, James Lindsay would have would be having a field day reading this. He would actually maybe maybe we should forward it to him. That that might be oh. a good idea. Oh yeah, that that would be a great idea. I'd love to have James Lindsay on the show. By the way, wow. I, I read his yeah. book. Yeah, I would love to. Um, if he g comes on the show, feel free to join us as well. I, I'm sure you would have what to say to him as well. Um, we are, we, by the way, just yeah, just to let you know, me and the other mods, we're actually developing a whole document about Jews and CRT and, you know, Lindsay's a big source. Yeah. Wow. Um, it, there's another book, interestingly. it's uh, There's a book by actually a leftist Jew. She's She was writing this almost in, um, in, uh, in like a kind of a congratulatory way, how Jews became white, right? Because in <laughs> I don't. I can look up the book right now. How Jews became white. I think her name is Goldberg. You're talking about like, like uh, culturally or actually. The physically. thing is, whiteness and white means something completely different in their language. It's probably because of all the you know. Every time you know, Crusades, Spanish Inquisitions, they always raped us. So, it was no. It's, she's not even know. talking about the, the the look and the color of our skin. She's oh, she's literally right. just talking about the socio you know the socioeconomic status of whites in the U.S. I think uh, this is the book I found on Amazon, How Jews Became White Folks and What That Says About Race in America. 
October 1st, 1998, Karen Brodkin. Oh, right? Brodkin. That's right, Brodkin. Brodkin, Brodkin. And it's interesting because up until very recently, actually, Jews were categorized as Asians, which <laughs> that's – if you – like, listen, uh, American racial kind of categories – they're very silly and I would love to get rid of them. But if you're going to categorize Jews as something, it is Asian. That's how it the Europeans – yeah, it, it, yeah, that's how the Europeans viewed us because we came from Asia, right? Um, and that would make sense even though we're not – we don't look Chinese. We don't look Japanese, but we are from that region. Um, it's interesting how people from the Middle East who were – uh, not the Middle East, from the Middle Ages who – didn't know how to read who the the priests had to read to them because they were so illiterate they had a better grasp of jewish indigeneity quote-unquote than americans nowadays have about jews who they can read all these things they're in books you can read them you can know this information and uh it's it's so interesting how they just don't know these things um but historically jews in the united states were considered asian so Arabs conquering and or populating parts of the Middle East a few centuries ago doesn't make their descendants living under Israeli rule a colonial presence. What do you mean? That's exactly what it means. It's Colonialism. It's, that's exactly what it means. Word for word. Colonial. It's so colonialist that they it's 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 so it's, no, it's so it's, ingrained in it it's so it's like it's like colonialism can only belong to the West. Even when other people do the same exact thing, it's not colonialism. Right. And that's also uh, critical race applied principles, right? Mm hmm. The idea that if 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 brown people commit a crime, it's still somehow the white man's fault. So uh, colonialism doesn't just mean conquest, but a specific type of conquest. Colonialism is systematic, perpetrated by nations able and willing to dominate others, and it's driven by very specific material objectives like the expansion of markets, exploitation of cheap labor, theft of natural resources, etc. Settler colonialism – this is the history of Arabs in the land. I mean, like, I'm sorry, like there, there, there was, there was an ideological motivation, right? The spread of Islam, that, that was, that was very big, but to pretend that Arabs didn't, you know, bring loot back, you know, to, to fuel their own economies is, is just like, I mean, they literally had the dimmy thing where they would charge Jews and Christians for the crime of not being Muslim. Right. right. So they could live. Right. And, and the idea that, Europeans were not also motivated by bringing Christianity to right. these uh, like that. So they J Christians and Muslims were motivated by the same bloody things. Mm -hmm. And you can, and listen, you can be upset about Christians all you like. And there were good things about Christian colonialism. So for example, Hindus now don't throw their widows into fires anymore, which is good, right? Thank you, Jesus. You know, they just need, they just needed Jesus, I suppose. Um, but it seems Jesus. Yeah, right. Um, but let's not pretend that these two groups of people were not motivated by very similar things, right? And his blind spot to this very fact tells me everything I need to know about his philosophy and worldview. And you can always see it. They, these are the people that always they went to public school in the United States and they were always bullied for being you know, the K word, whatever. They didn't have a good experience, which, you know, I can't blame them. There are still anti-Semites out there. But I think it's 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 very telling that these people always come from non-Jewish households and they and they use Judaism as a cudgel against their experience. They they don't have a healthy relationship with Judaism. I think it's it's very telling in my opinion. You very rarely get people who who join this kind of movement when they grew up in the yeshiva system. Mm, they yes. it, they grew up in Judaism. They they're not they're rarely involved in this because they they don't 
they don't have this kind of offensive relationship with the, the West. They, they grew up side by side with the West. They know that they're not, you know, exactly Christians, but they're not, they're not scarred by it. It's the way you look at yourself. It's like, do you see yourself as American, you know, Jewish American or American Jewish? It's like, you know, which one do you put yourself first? Well, that's, that's not even it. It's more, it's more a matter of they were hurt by the system, right? And I can't blame them for that, right? Because there is anti-Semitism. I'm not doubting that. But it's more about do you have a, a traumatic relationship with the West, right? And and you see this with a lot of these people who come back to Judaism or come back to whatever this is, right? After sitting in the public school system, maybe their parents weren't affiliated, and they use this kind of very aggressive anti-Western Judaism to lash out against their past. But they never they never had a healthy way to deal with it. Um, you know, so I, I that's that's the way I see it. Tell me if I'm wrong. Um Okay, so the, there's the next paragraph is because Palestinians, for the most part, define Palestinian identity as referring to the indigenous peoples of Palestine throughout time, including the Canaanites, Philistines, Hebrews, and even descendants of foreign invaders who remained and eventually absorbed in the social and cultural landscape, accusing Palestinians, many of whose forebearers were anyway Jews, of colonization sounds not only ignorant but attached from reality. As an aside, most people who are Palestinian nowadays, they came after the Zionists came mm-hmm. because the Zionists created a lot of opportunity in the land that just was not there. Mark Twain spoke about how the land was empty, right? So this was not a like a new thing. The most Israel was mostly Jewish. The four the four main cities in Judaism were majority Jewish until the 1920s when the when the Arabs ethnically cleansed Hebron of Jews. So if you want to talk about that, then let's talk about that. Claiming to belong to a people that once occupied a specific territory in order to claim exclusive rights to that territory doesn't work within the context of any serious indigenous rights discourse. There's no such thing as indigenous rights discourse, at least in a serious matter. Uh, so that's, <laughs> that's, you know, that's, that's important, especially when those rights are claimed at the expense of another people already in the, in that land. And especially when a system is set up that privileges the newcomers and excludes the population already in the land before those newcomers arrived, which is essentially what the Zionist movement, specifically labor Zionism, appears to have done. That is true. Labor Zionism was very bad for many yep. reasons, but uh, that's not to say that the Palestinians are somehow indigenous or – I hate this. I hate this discussion because I hate talking in this language. <sighs> so – and so Zionists suddenly speaking about how indigenous Jews are to this land understandably sounds ridiculous to those scholars and activists who define colonialism and indigeneity based less on who your ancestors were and more on what you do, what's done to you. This is the key. This is the key. I think he's nailed it, right? He's nailed. I agree. He's yep. nailed it, but for the wrong reasons. Yep. He's yep. nailed why Zionists talking about indigeneity is ridiculous, but he gets wrong why. It's because indigenous doesn't mean anything. It's just a leftist buzzword to mean things that I like. And colonial is a leftist buzzword to mean things that I don't like, right? So when when Zionists start all of a sudden realizing, oh, if I use this word, if I, if I try to nakedly, in a partisan way, try to co-opt the language of losers, right? And I try to apply it to myself, it looks weird because that is the language of the far left. And the far left already made a decision. They already said, oh, we like the Palestinians. Well, that's the, that's the hill we're willing to die on, right? That looks weird when the Israelis tr- try to make it seem cool. It's like, you know that meme where Steve Buscemi is like, hello, how you doing, fellow kids, right? It, it's yeah, like, we, yeah. like, it doesn't work, right? It, it's not a, 
It doesn't work because that's I, not yeah, actually out of it's out of I place. I actually posted that meme. I, I made a meme like that and said, "Is like, how do you do, you know, fellow Judeans?" And it got taken down, but whatever. <laughs> it got taken down. You got zucked because it's too true, right? Because yeah. there is this. It, it, it. I don't. I obviously don't think Mark Zuckerberg is paying attention to the nitty gritties of Hasbro politics here. No. But this is this is why it comes off weird because you're trying to use a word that that doesn't mean anything and it only means something to the people who are paying attention to this stuff and you're trying to dictate to them how their ideology is supposed to go but they know how their ideology is supposed to go they know who is indigenous in their definition of indigenous so you using the word indigenous instead of just not caring what they think because that they think doesn't matter right because they're stupid college kids right you're instead trying to get in the mud and wrestle with them but that's not it's not how you do things. Jewish identity needs to be something beyond leftist buzzwords. It needs to be beyond all this crap. Right. And so th- that's he, this, the way- this is this is where this is where he undercuts his whole argument. Uh, I think just just from this sentence, because he's now playing with, with two two different word two different versions of the word indigenous, and he's applying them, uh, you know, graciously in whatever form he likes. You know, he's he's playing two sides two sides of a game. He doesn't realize that to the woke, words don't mean anything. They're, th- words to the woke, words are not tools to facilitate understanding. They're, they're wrenches to beat your opponents with, right? That, that's how monkeys use wrenches, right? They don't use it as a tool to screw in a bolt. They use it to beat their enemies over the head. That's how the left uses language. They, they, they use the language, and this is, this is discussed in the book Speechless by Michael Knowles, it's not about what the words mean. It's about who gets to impose the definition on the word, right? And who mm-hmm. gets to impose that word on other people. It's the imposition, right? So it's the imposition of the word indigenous to apply to Palestinians. It's never going to work as a Jewish thing. And the sooner we as Jews are able to understand that and and verbalize it, we're able then to combat this kind of nonsense. We're able to tell Rudy Rockman, hey, listen, Jewish means something and it's not just whoever calls themselves jewish black hebrew israelites are not jewish right right right. this group in uh was it nigeria that you got sent to prison for yeah igbo right they're not jewish if they were jewish the israelis would have offered to take them out of nigeria already because that place is a shithole but they didn't offer and it's because they're not jewish and there were people who sat there and thought about it and they said they're not jewish let's leave them there right and that that's that's the discussion we need to have when Rudy Rockman or Yudok Cohen or all these other clowns when they come to your school and they say, "Oh, this is what Judaism means and it's colonization and diaspora and this and that and that," you need to tell them, "Hey, listen, define your terms and I'll tell you why you're wrong." Right? Miss me with this leftist nonsense, and I would love to see a Hasbara movement that actually opposes these people that that approaches Hasbara not from the left, not from the right but from using actual words, their definition, and relying on the rich tradition of Jewish culture and not just a watered-down left-wing version that's a lie to everyone. Yeah, I, I, and, you know, and another thing is I, I think um, I would appreciate a, a Hasbara that's more real about the history of Israel, meaning that we seem to skirt the, the conversations of, of the wars that we've had to do. And, and war is not... It's not a fun reality. It's not a positive reality. It was a necessary reality, and people were hurt. You know, that's that's you know, on, on both sides. That's that's the reality of a war. 
Um, but, but, you know, Hasbara seems to want to just say, oh, we won these wars. Uh, we also happen to be indigenous, yada, 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 go into like a 50 page lecture about, uh, you know, indigenous rights. Um, uh, again, I just want to reiterate something I said earlier. Israel exists because of a international legal recognition and it exists because we fought off aggressive attacks. That's it. That's, there's, there's no, there's no point in trying to justify the state based on these, like, like, as you put it, these, these strange leftist terms that's only going to appeal to a crowd, which does not accept us as is. Right. So I think with that, we're going to need to end it for today. This is a great discussion. I'd love to come back to this discussion in the future or talk more about, you know, specific claims made by these people and maybe dispel some of them. Yeah. So thank you, Josh, for, for joining us. Would you like to tell our audience where they can find your content? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're just a we're just a meme page. If you if you're on Facebook, uh, we're low effort Zionist memes two return to Babylon uh, return from Babylon. <laughs> the first page was deleted, and on Instagram we are low effort Zionist memes dot two. Uh, so that's where you can find us. And if you're on Clubhouse, if you happen to be. You can join our club. It's Lezm Gang, L-E-Z-M Gang. All right. Uh, great. And thanks for being with us this week. Make sure to follow and tune in on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Audible, and Google Podcasts for amazing future episodes. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we look forward to seeing you next time.